Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. So welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linford, and I am joined today by an incredible lady. She is super high energy. Um, Her enthusiasm is totally infectious. Now, this lady is a property developer, and she specializes in particular in raising private finance. She's not only that, but she's also a podcast host as well as a social propertypreneur. She's a public speaker. And my God, the list just goes on and on, as well as being an incredible, incredible mum and wife as well. So I'm delighted to welcome Laura Muse to the podcast. Thank you, Jeanette. Hi, you're right. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Laura. Oh, it's so nice to see you. It really is. And you. <laughs> Obviously, people listening can't see us, but yeah. I know, but I, I can see you. I can see you. And um, yeah, oh, listen, Laura, I really appreciate you taking the time because I know you're super, super busy um, in lots of projects going on right now. So I appreciate you taking the time. No, thanks for asking me. Oh, good stuff. So, Laura, I think it'd be a good place to start, as I normally do with these, um, these podcasts to hear your journey really and kind of where life started for you and all the twists and turns along the way and where you are now and then we'll pick up from there. Oh yeah so um, I've only been in property full-time for two years so I started in September 2018. Um, literally overnight decided to shut my business down which had nothing to do with property um, and going to property full-time with my husband uh, my husband's got quite a bit of experience in property. His family have done it for, for very well, a long, long time. So James has always kind of had his hand in there and, you know, he's an electrician by trade, so he's kind of very um, practical. <laughs> um, property did not interest me at all. I thought, what on earth? This must be like, I can't think of anything more boring than bricks and mortar. Um, how wrong am I? <laughs> Um, so prior to 2018 um, all my background is in equestrian so horses so I studied at university I've got an equine science degree um, went into the nutrition um, world so I worked for big companies like Dodson and Horrell blue chip feeds which um, are known all over the world for, for horse feeds then I worked for Weatherbeater, which is a huge um, retail wholesale um, business, which is anything from saddles to rugs. Um, and used to be, you know, one of their area managers for that company. So all corporate jobs, really, um, up until I had my little girl. And then I went on maternity leave and decided to set up my own import business. So I used to import equestrian goods um, for probably about... 14 months um I did not know what I was letting myself in for when I decided to set my own business up I thought that uh, working for myself would be easier <laughs> I would have more time <laughs> how wrong was I <laughs> um so I did that for yeah about 14 months and you know having a really young baby being away from home a lot you know I was covering the entire UK so I used to be an agent basically for some other companies who used to import their products um, and they wanted more and more from me. And, you know, I didn't get into that 
role to be dictated to. Mm. Um, in 2014, I um, lost my mum. So, it, sorry, 2015, lost my mum um, and a few other family members. And it had a massive impact on me and James. And we just thought, you know, going forward here, we need to, we want to live as life. We don't want to exist and we don't want to spend most of our time working. So James kind of came up with the property was the only thing we could think of that made us money while we slept. And I know that's probably something you've heard many times, but for us, it genuinely is. Um, so we embarked on this roller coaster of property. James went full time first. He sold up his business. We had quite a large energy renewal business in Sheffield. So he sold out to his business partner and then um, I took the leap in 2018 after James had been in, in property full-time for 12 months. Um, but we'd done things, I say we, James had done things before, like we, we bought two buy to lets he'd done a new build, um, which was two shops and two flats, which we held in our portfolio. So we started with six units. So we had an income of about £1,500 from our rentals in 2018. And then the journey really took off. <laughs> Well, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Fantastic, my God. Well, I, I hate to use the word, but what a quick canter through, Laura. See what I did I there? Know they, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's fascinating because, you know, obviously very, very different field to myself, but, you know, early career in corporate world um, and then that sort of shift into entrepreneurial world when you started your own business and I suppose looking for freedom, flexibility, et cetera, and realising yeah. that actually the grass isn't always greener when you're on the other side um, and then obviously the focus on property now so you know I think it's a fascinating kind of journey that you've been on and you're still on because you know there's so much more to come isn't it you know the best is yet to come I think from Laura, I hope so. from Laura <laughs> for sure and um, but just talk me through you know when you made that jump out of corporate Laura yeah. into kind of you know setting up your own business now of course you were a mum at that point so I guess that might was probably part of the factor um but but just talk me through how how difficult a decision was that and and how big was the change for you so prior to me meeting James, um, I'd never had one inkling uh, in my mind that I could ever set up my own business. I have had the desire to. I was brought up that, you know, you went to school, you got a good job, you went to university, which is what I did. Um, you went to uni, then you got the, the dream job. And when I met my husband, James, I did have the dream job. So, you know, I was, I was working um, for a large um, feed company. And we used to go, you know, feed, you know, do nutritional plans for the Olympic horses, for example. So that was the dream and I got it. And one day James made, made a comment to me um, and he said, why are you working so hard for somebody else? And I said, what do you mean by that? He says, well, you know, you're out the house at like six o'clock. You're not back in the house till like nine, 10 o'clock. It's just like ridiculous. Why would you not do that for yourself? And it's always stuck with me, with me as that comment. Um, so it kind of started the thought process. <laughs> Why am I working so hard for somebody else? And it kind of made me step back because I was so involved and so consumed by my role. And obviously this is pre-having Isabel. Um, and then very shortly after we had that conversation, my mum got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and they basically said that she had a couple of weeks to live. Um, and let's be honest, the corporate job, 
still wanted a piece of me. I still had to turn up for work, etc. Um, you know, they were pretty good. They gave me a couple of weeks off to start with, but then they expected me back and I had to be performing what I was performing before, whereas I couldn't do that. Mm. And that last 12 months of my mum's life, I hadn't been there. I'd been away at shows. I'd been away you know, overnight at seminars and I was, I hardly actually saw my mum at all. Um, and I just thought I can't, I can't continue this life. Like I'd hate for my daughter to feel how, how I'm feeling right now that she's been sucked into this. I don't know. We always, I think you get sucked into this trap of you've got to get a job. You've got to work for someone else. And you've got to put all your time and effort into someone else's business um, and James really opened my eyes to that. So um, I did leave um, a couple of months after I found out about my mum. So I did leave, took a bit of time out. Unfortunately, my mum did pass away during that time. And then I took all summer to reflect, like, what do I actually want to do? Um, I'd lost my confidence a little bit as well as a person. You know, um, I relied on my mum for a lot of things. She wasn't just my mum. She was my best friend. She was my confidant, if you want to say mm-hmm. Um and she was a person where actually I didn't have to tell her how I felt. And that's something that I've always struggled with is I've never had to tell anybody how I feel because she always knew. Um, so I got I got another job in the equestrian field um, and then I fell pregnant a couple of months later. Um, and I just didn't feel the same about the industry anymore. Um, you were very disposable. You were very replaceable. And you were a number. I don't care what anyone says you were because in the equestrian world, it is very niche. So there's a lot of people that want them roles. Um, So I went on maternity leave and I just, James said, look, it's a perfect time. You've lost it. I think as well, we get so reliant on that income. So, you know, I was, I am a typical, you spend, you spend what you earn and that's what I were. So I, you know, I get my my paycheck every, every month and I, I would spend, exactly more or less to the pound of what I'd got in that month mm-hmm. um whereas James is the complete opposite of me he invests his money I'm like what do you mean you invest your money what do you invest it in um so I've had a lot of journeys these last few years but money has been certainly one of them for me um so I was taking a low income obviously because I was on maternity leave and James just said to me look if you're not going to I'm not pushing to go self-employed, but I just think it would work better for our lifestyle. We had a holiday home at that time. We, we like to spend, you know, we'd go off on a Wednesday and come back on a Monday, for example, if we wanted to. Mm. And going back to work, I couldn't do that. Um, so I made the switch. I um, started setting up my own business. James obviously helped me massively in that, set me up, um, really encouraged me and pushed me out of my comfort zone because I, I was... I was nervous. I wasn't quite sure. But the good thing for me was, one, I'd lost the income, so I wasn't as reliant on it. And two, I still had a lot of connections in that industry. Um, I did it, for, like I say, for about 14 months. But it was just really difficult being away from Isabel at such a young age. Like she was she was nine months when I, when I went out on the road. And I were on the road Monday to Friday, more or less. So then James had to pick up the slack at home and it just wasn't very fair. And I didn't want to be that type of parent. I didn't want to be away from my daughter. My mum never was. Um, you know, my mum had a very demanding job, but I can't remember times where she wasn't there. She worked nine to five. Mm. Um, so July 2018, I went to do a social media course randomly. 
and James went to do um he just thought about the property there must be a quicker way than what we're doing it you know you typically save up for a deposit and you buy a property we ended up going to the same place on the same day and I sat in a room full of property investors talking about social media and I were asking like you know what why are you in property well you know it makes us money while we're sleeping thinking that's what we want to do um and I just thought what the hell am I doing like I've got so many skills that me and James together could be stronger instead of him trying to do you know him trying to push forward in the property business on his own me trying to set up my new business and push forward on my own if we actually joined forces we would be a lot stronger and make progress quicker um that evening we both met up and the first words out of James's mouth were I've got something to tell you and I thought oh no (laughs) (laughs) I'm like what he went I've seen this uh, I've seen this girl on stage she's doing something called deal packaging I don't really know what it is but I've signed you up (laughs) um and literally we just had a discussion and just said look what do we want out of his lives and it wasn't me traipsing up and down the country you know selling 1495 pound worth of boots to somebody it just wasn't that um and especially after losing quite a lot of my family members in a short period of time family is very important to me and quality time um but you need money to do that let's not be naive about that you know we all want you know choices but you know, you need money to make choices. Um, so literally the next day I shut my business down overnight and joined James full-time in property. Um, I was shit scared. Uh, I had no idea where my place was in the business. I didn't really know what I was going to do because I didn't know anything about property, but I thought, do you know what? I trust James. If he thinks this is going to work, then it hundred percent is. And yeah, we just went all in. It, it, it's not been easy, a hundred percent not been easy um we got married a month after so all of our married life (laughs) we have worked together probably not the best decision um but yeah it's definitely it's ups and downs and it's take it's tough learning like having a relationship with somebody but then working with them as well for me um that's probably one of being one of our biggest challenges is learning how to work with each other Mm. And how how have you handled that then, Laura? What's been the the key for you being able to not kill each other during the day oh, and actually have dinner together at night and still like each other? We have had some rows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Um, oh. We at the beginning, obviously, I was very unsure of what my role was. Um, James was very unsure of what his role was, and at the at beginning, we would doing the same things but just in different ways and as much as I love James to death he'll he did like to micromanage I have never been micromanaged so <laughs> that was one of the biggest issues to start off with um and even to this day you know so I'm not you know I'll hold my hands up I don't take criticism great and if James pulls me up on something I do get a bit defensive because I'm like why are you always having a go at me? Why can't you just support me? It's like, are you joking me? Every time I support you, it's been, you spend like £5,000. It's like I'm trying to rein you back in. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, he does, he'd 100% support, like I set up a service accommodation unit, which I decided then that that wasn't a strategy for, for me personally. So he does support me in that way. But 100% we had to sit down and work out our strengths and weaknesses what we were both good at what we weren't so good at mine is admin I am terrible at admin um 
and you know James is his social media and marketing he hates it well I won't say hate that's a strong word but he, he doesn't enjoy it he, he thinks it's a waste of time um <laughs> he's saying <laughs> in the background um but it's just it's just not something he enjoys so we kind of ironed out who's going to be doing what and since then things have definitely been a lot easier but we do still you know we do have crossover we do have quite difficult decisions but since my mum passed away I've done a lot of things I've worked on my mindset a lot so I've come a long way in the last five years since I lost my mum mm. um if I if I hadn't have worked on my mindset I don't think we would be working how we are now um it's definitely give and take we definitely have even now we still have a bicker or a snap at each other but I think that's just, you know, you're doing a marital relationship anyway. If anyone says otherwise, I beg to <laughs> they must be lying. <laughs> um, but we just had to work out our roles and stick to them roles and bite our tongue sometimes with each other when we think, you know, I wouldn't have done it that way and not try and micromanage each other. Um, we, are we perfect? Absolutely not. Are we, can we work with each other without killing each other? Yes, and I do think we are definitely stronger as a team. Yeah, no, I mean, this is so much great advice there because I think you're right, Laura. You know, it doesn't matter what business that you're in, whether it's property or, or anything, really. You know, if you've got a big team or a small team, you know, the principles are the same, aren't they? You need to know yeah. where your skills lie and, and delegate effectively and, and have clear clear separation of roles and responsibilities. And I think it's even more so when you're, personal life is is sort of embedded <laughs> and I, I know I know I, a lot of what you're saying I, I'm kind of nodding myself because of course Chris and I are in our property business together as well and yeah there are definitely times at this beginning where we would trip each other up and get frustrated because you know I think my way is the best way and he thinks his way is the best way and, and that separation of where your skills are I think is, is a really good advice to people that are maybe going into something like this but um, I just want to pick up on, on there's so much in what you've said Laura um but I, no, no it's brilliant it's brilliant i know it's absolutely brilliant but you know because because this podcast is all about being brave bold and brilliant right um and that's why you're on it of course because you are all of those things um you. but you know one of one of the things you, you 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 kind of said earlier which struck me was around um almost the catalyst of the 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 tragedy of losing your mum and just that being a real pivotal time in your life yeah. to to really reassess what was important to you um and and sort of being clear on your reason why and and the life that you and James wanted to to create together but also for Isabel as well your you know your daughter um yeah. and and how how did you go about that was that sort of a, a subconscious thing or was it a, was it a conscious choice and did it take place over quite a period of time or did you have a bit of a light bulb moment you know because there's so much value in this law because I think so many people you know people that I speak to whether they're my mentee clients or just people in general they're not always clear on what's important to them and they're on a bit of a treadmill with stuff yeah. and very rarely stop and pause for breath to think about this stuff because there's some quite big life-changing things in this but you obviously had that catalyst of what happened with your mum that was made you really stop and reassess but can you just talk about how you approached it and 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 how you got that clarity that you were looking for because I think a lot of people struggle with this yeah I mean I, 
just to give you a bit of a, an over, a bit more of an overview. So, um, so I lost my mum in 2015, but 10 years before that, I lost my dad um, when I actually was at uni and I completely went off the rails. Um, it was my mum that kind of noticed, like I said in, earlier, you know, I, I wasn't very good at telling people how I felt, but she obviously noticed when she used to speak to me and when she saw me, um, completely went off the rails and, you know, I ended up on antidepressants and I was on them for about three years. Um, it wasn't a good time in my life. I never had any counselling or anything like that. And then one day I decided I'm not taking these tablets anymore. I took myself off them and that was even more difficult. I went even lower. Mm. Um, a lot of my friends and my mum did pull me out at that time, but it, it probably took me about four, four or five years really to, to get over that and and sort myself out and if it hadn't have been for the other people I wouldn't have done that now I didn't have that this time my mum wasn't there um I had James you know so I lost my mum um a month after I lost my nan and then I lost my mum's best friend who was like a second mum to me so literally within a year all of my family had been wiped out um, I'm an only child so um I were, I were in Leeds so obviously I live in Sheffield now is where James is from so I was still living in Leeds at that point and I just felt lost. I didn't, I didn't, I think for me, I had to hit rock bottom and I lost my mum in the April and it was the August bank holiday. So it's actually when it was um, one of the anniversaries when me and James met. We always used to go to Chatsworth show every year, um, which is where we met. And I remember sat very clearly on the, on the lawn near the river and James just said to me, Laura, I can't help you anymore. And I said, what do you mean? And I was getting upset and I always felt angry or, and I was drinking and not drinking to like an, al no, I'm not an alcoholic, but I, you know, I was reliant on that when I felt low. Mm. And he said, I can't help you anymore. And he says, if you don't do something, I, I don't know what else I can do. And I just, it was that moment. And I thought, if I don't change, if I do not change this now, I'm also going to lose him. And I wasn't prepared to do that. Um, luckily, James had met somebody who he was traveling with years ago, a lady called um, Carrie Hansel. She does, um, I would say, a degree of counseling. It's more mindset, affirmations, lifestyle. Anyway, we went away a couple of weeks later to Spain. Um, and I had my first phone call conversation with her then. And... I've worked, I've, I've worked with her probably every week for a year after I lost my mum. And if it hadn't have been for that, that conversation with James, I do really dread to think of where I would be now. Um, and if it wasn't for James, I know that I probably wouldn't be here. And I know that's a really morbid thing to say, but genuinely, I wouldn't. Um, but it was that conversation with him that, shit, if I don't sort myself out here, I need to sort myself out. It's not like last time where other people dragged me through it. I need to do something here. Um, I'd never done anything about mindset. I'd never picked up a, a mindset book in my entire life. I didn't know what affirmations were. Um, getting a bit emotional talking about yeah, it. But yeah, um, but yeah, she literally every week for about 12 months, if not longer, you know, I even speak to her now. So, you know, if, you know, every couple of months I will have a phone call with her. So she's based in Australia. So we normally do a WhatsApp call. Um, she always gives me loads of things to do, like um, writing my affirmations down, putting myself into a routine. You know, it was 
it was her that said to me, do you drink a lot of coffee? And I'm like, well, yeah, I live on coffee. She's like, you need to stop it because it's it's making your anxiety even worse. Mm. You know, I always, I were, I were one of them people that I could be stood in a room and I would think everyone was talking about me. I didn't like myself much. I had no self-love for myself. Whereas now I'm completely opposite. I'll stand in a room and if people are talking about me, that I know now that's more of a reflection of them than me. Mm. Um, and I do love the person I am now, but I didn't then. Um, so it was that definitely that moment with James. Um, and then I went on this mindset journey and I feel I am a different person. I'm so glad I did it. And if anyone hasn't done that or even read a mindset book, which, you know, I'm not a big reader. Um, I'm an audio girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it, it's really changed my life and our relationship, mine and James's relationship, you know, me and Jim both do a lot of mindset um, learning even now. And we are both very different people than we were five years ago. Mm. I mean, this is, uh, first of all, thanks for speaking so candidly, Laurie, because, you know, you're, you, you've been, you've been through it, you know, you've been there, got the t-shirt and come out the other side, you know, and, and for people that maybe don't know, you know, I'm learning a lot of stuff, even from this conversation, you know, I knew a little bit of this, but not nowhere near what you're sharing. And and I think when people sometimes they they see you now, they would have no idea of what you've gone through and, you know, mm-hmm. how you've had to really work on your own, on your mindset, your personal development, you know, and all of that, that stuff. And, and also, you know, holding, holding a mirror up to yourself, you know, and that, that yeah. can be quite scary, can't it? You know, and, um, you know, I think for a lot of people, listening to your journey of, of kind of where life was and, and where you are now is is massively inspiring but it's also because you have taken the action and you've taken control and realized that you know you can have supportive people around you and they can be the closest people to you like James and and like your, your mum but ultimately you you've got to do it yourself haven't you yeah 100%. you know and, and that's quite a hard, a hard lesson, I think, um, you know, for, for people. But anyone listening can take such great comfort, I think, from, from what you've managed to achieve, despite all of that tragedy, and maybe because of that tragedy, really, that you faced, you know? Yeah, and I think, as I mean, I don't know what you think, Jeanette, but, you know, I do speak to a lot of people on a regular basis, and you can't blame others for what's mm. happening to you, and others can't remedy what's happened they can't pull you out of your hole and you know I did have to to hit rock bottom but you you are the only reason who can sort you out no one else can do that for you um and I hear times when it well you know it's because my dad died it's because my mum died well actually all of my family are dead and you know I'm not hitting the drink every weekend and I know there's other things behind that but you are you are the reason your life is as it is and only you can sort that out and as brutal as that sounds um I do swear by that and I know I'm saying it because I know yeah 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 absolutely and I think the other thing that that I I um really believe is that it you're never none of us are ever the finished article you know so so it's every day you know you don't all of a sudden read one book and go oh that's it I'm fixed you know it's it's (laughs) yeah 
it's a constant, a constant evolution, isn't it? A constant reaffirmation of what's important and what you're all about. And, and having supportive people around you is incredible and it makes a massive difference. But you, you do have to. So the, it's that analogy, really, of getting on the aircraft, you know, when they say, oh, when the, if the oxygen mask come down, you know, you've got to put your own mask on first. And, and that's so true, isn't it? I think that's true in yeah. life, because um, if you're not in good shape, you're no good to anyone else either. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, I've even had to learn that people who have been around me all my life, actually, they, they weren't good for me. Um, and I've had to cut them people out. And especially after losing your family, cutting also a friend you've known out for a very long time is, is even more difficult because they're kind of your past. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, I've had to do them them things, but it's made me a better person. And I might, do I have days where, is every day a good day? Absolutely not. I still have I still have days where, you know, I do feel shit. I do feel sorry for myself. I feel down, but I'm a lot quicker at pulling myself out of that now than I used to be. So I might mm. have a couple of down days, but then I'm fine. I can I, I can physically pull myself out. I don't need anyone else to do that because I've now been shown the tools of how I can utilize that, mm. which I think is very important. Yeah, no, massively. And and as I say, you know, we we start talking about, you know, more of the business side of things. Um, but behind all of that is is you the person, you know, and is yeah. you, you and, and that's 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 the thing, isn't it? Business is all it's all about people and relationships and you know, how your values and how you live that every day in everything that you do, you know. No, and, definitely. Um, I think, and that shines through, Laura, you know, because obviously we've not known each other for a, a huge amount of time, but for the time that we have, you know, your energy, your enthusiasm, your tenacity, your drive to try new things and give it a go, you know, is, is it, honestly, it's so inspiring. It really, really is. Um, and that's even without knowing the backstory. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about just changing, changing tack a little bit, if, if you don't mind. No. Can we, can we talk about the social media side of things? Because you, yeah. you started off saying that you'd gone on this course. Um, yeah. And I know, you know, you're you you do so much in this space. Um, and it's it's an area that I'm trying to be better at as you as you were as you know. Um, but it's also an area I think a lot of people do struggle with, in particular if you're um if you're not a digital native, shall we say? <laughs> 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 not some kind of, you know, youngster um, that, that sort of, you know, just brought up with all of this. So can you talk about how you've approached that, some of the lessons, things that, you know, uh, sort of you're managing to use that for, for your business, any advice you'd give to people who want to get into social media, but in a way that is congruent to sort of their values without sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, if you know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, I've always, I've always been in sales and marketing um, throughout my career with the, my previous jobs. Uh, but when I went into, when I did my own business, I didn't have that support. So I decided to go on this social media course. Um, as I did a, a 360 overnight, at first, I didn't really implement any of them things. Um, it's completely changed our business. And I think the biggest thing for people on social media is getting out of your own way. So obviously, I speak to a lot of people about how to start the, the social media journey when they're starting the property journey, how to raise the money, etc. But you know, you've a hundred percent got to be authentic to yourself. You have to be yourself. Mm. And that's the, the, the number one thing people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. 
And if you're not being authentic, that will 100% come through. So don't ever do anything that you feel uncomfortable doing. So I personally, I don't like direct selling. I would never go on social media and say, I've got this deal. Give me £100,000, I'll give you 10% return. I would never do that. It's not my personality type. Um, and I, if somebody did that to me, it would put me off. It made me feel uncomfortable. Um, on the flip side, just remember that, you know, who I like and who you like may be very different types of people. People gravitate to other, others. Um, you know, there's in, investors in Sheffield who work with a different set of investors to me because we are both different personality types. Mm. You know, I'm not details. If somebody is wants a price on a packet of nails, a packet of screws, I am 100% not the investor to work with because I will not provide you with that information. Mm. But we start and finish our projects and we give a great service. So if you want that with completely hands-off, we are the people to come to. <laughs> um, I don't plan things. I think... I think a lot of people overcomplicate it. I think they think they need to start on every single channel. So Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, um, just keep it simple. Focus on one thing until you become really good at it. It's like anything in business. Um, don't overwhelm yourself. Start on one platform until you get good at it before you, know, you feel com comfortable and confident and then develop it from there. If you want to, you, may, you might not want to. Um, one thing about social media, as you know, Jeanette, is it, it's a beast. Once you start the beast uh, rolling, it gets bigger and bigger. And especially if you're not, say, for example, you are on all them different profile and um, platforms, sorry. You've got all them people to deal with, all them incoming messages, all them comments, all them likes. Um, if you don't want that, just evaluate from the start. What do you want to get out of social media? Is it that you want to build a profile to be a public speaker? Is it that you want to raise money? Is it that you just want to show people what your family and friends, what you're doing? And then from the end that you want to achieve, I would then plan what you want to do up to that. And yeah, just don't overwhelm yourself and please be authentic. There's nothing worse than people saying they're doing all these amazing things when there is no social proof. Yeah. Social proof is king in property. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely, and, and anything as well, Laura. You're right. You know, yeah. because there's so many people out there saying, "Oh, I'm wonderful, and I do this, that, <laughs> and the other." And then when you actually look behind, there's nothing there. You yeah. know, it's all just, it's all. I, I, I there's a phrase, isn't there? All fur coat and no knickers. <laughs> That is a northern saying, 100%. Well, well, now I am back in the north. Chris says that since we've relocated to Manchester, which has only been a week from me being out of London, he says I've gone very, very northern. <laughs> yes, I mean... exactly. All fur coat and no knickers. <laughs> so, yes, we ought to avoid that on social media. <laughs> No, that's, I mean, that's massive. That's massively helpful, Laura, because I think a lot of people, I mean, I know myself, you know, especially if you come from a, a corporate background where you are more restricted, you know, I mean, certainly for me, when I was in the corporate world, I, you know, I was dealing with investors, I was talking to the city, you know, I work for listed companies, and you, you are representing the brand, you know, you're in a position. Yeah. So you have to be very careful. So I, I kind of didn't do a lot, uh, hardly anything, actually. If anything, I'd, I'd, I'd be okay with LinkedIn because I saw that as being a bit 
yeah. or professional, but I certainly never touch Facebook at all or Instagram, you know, and it is a big adjustment. And you're right. I think you have to be clear around what is it you're trying to achieve and and just just not overcomplicate it and, and be consistent as well, isn't it? Best to do less, but be consistent than to do loads and then all and then nothing the next day or week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got to be authentic. You've got to be consistent and, you know, I think as well what a lot of people do now because it's so easy to get into this trap of is, you know, we see all these fancy, you know, Canva put together posts or people are doing YouTube videos and they've got all these amazing, you know, this is my name and these are subtitles at the bottom. And mm. if you don't want to do that, don't do it. Don't put pressure on yourself to do it because it is time consuming. Yeah. So if you are a one man band business, you know, me and James, we don't have anyone to help us with our social media. Our business is not at that point. Um, and we're very conscious of that. So I do things that work for me. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing I would say is please do things that work for you and don't try and keep up with the Joneses because you see everyone else doing it on social media because what's the point? Yeah, no, great advice. And if you, are you, I don't know if you're okay with this, Laura, but do you want to just share about how on the finance side of things, and obviously you're, you've used social media with a very specific aim. Um, not yeah. necessarily, I'm not, not sure whether that was the intention right from day one, but certainly <laughs> <No>. that's, the, <laughs> that's where you've got to. Do you want to just talk about that to give people a sense of the power of it if you approach it in the right way and, and some of the things you've already just spoke about? Yeah, so, um, you know, I have done property training, um, you know, I didn't know anything in 2018, and one of my mentors, um, so I started doing deal packaging. Now, I didn't do deal packaging originally to sell deals, I did deal packaging because I wanted investors, so we wanted to, you know, push forward our property business. We were fortunate we had our own funds to start with, um, but one thing that became apparent very quickly is once you start buying property and you're waiting for refinancing, your money gets sat in there and you're waiting for it to come out. And then, oh, I don't go, I don't, I don't really want to go and offer on these properties because I ain't got any cash in the bank. Um, so from from very uh, six months in, we had a discussion with one of my mentors and we needed private finance. So how was I going to do that? Um, he put me on a challenge, a 30-day challenge to put myself out on social media. So actually thinking about it, then first six months, I just did little bits of what we were doing, walk around the property, et cetera, because I'd seen other people doing it. And I did, there's one thing about me is I like to know things inside out before I start talking about them. Um, I don't know everything about property, but I know a, a lot more than I did. <laughs> so I feel more confident now. Um, so March 2019, yeah, March 2019, did a 30-day challenge and literally started talking about Sheffield, why Sheffield's a great investment area. I did a little series of videos called Laura on Location. Um, and a lot of people who invest in Sheffield contacted me and said, why are you telling everybody about Sheffield? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, everyone's going to want to come here now and buy properties. I'm like, don't be so stupid. Um but what it did do is it elevated me above other people because I was confident in talking about my investment area and I know it very well. I know where the developments are happening. I know what types of properties and what types of tenants you can get in different postcodes. And by sharing that, it actually got people in touch with us to work with us. Um, and in a few short months, so 12 months, we've raised over £4 million of investment. Now, that's not money in my bank, I am telling you that. That is a mixture between people lending on a return basis. 
um, and people who 100% only work with us in our deal packaging business. So they pledge funds to us and solely work with us. So we don't work with investors who work with others um, mm. because it just, it, when I've been out looking for a property for somebody and then they're working with three other sources and then they've decided to go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's just not, it's just not our business model. It's just not what we do. So yeah, so we've got a couple of angel investors now on board. Um, family have come on board now by watching us what we do on social media. So um, we're fortunate that our family, they are mainly business owners. But when we first started out in property, they were like, oh yeah, that's nice. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, all right, okay. And we're like, yeah. I said, you know, we thought you might want to work with us. Like, no, no, um, good luck. And uh, yeah, let us know how you get on. But literally, I mean, there's people who invest with us now it, from James's family who we never in a million years thought they would invest with us. In fact, we didn't even think they had any money, which I know is pretty awful to say, but we didn't. And that's why a lot of people ask me this question, should I set up a new profile for social media? Now, I haven't. And the reason why is because now a lot of people we've known for a while um, and our family invest with us because they've seen our journey mm. and we've given social proof of starting a project from start to finish and I've been consistent on social media telling people um, and it's raised a lot of money from places we never expected you know now we've got access to a, an investor who's got an obscene amount of money for, for developments that we're looking at um, so the power of social media is incredible. And if you want to raise funds, it's where you need to be. You know, I love networking, don't get me wrong. Um, and I'm sure you you find it as well, Jeanette. You know, you can spend all your time networking, oh, you know, yeah. traveling here and there and everywhere. But, you know, for me, my number one priority is spending quality time with my family. Mm -hmm. And while I'm traipsing up and down the UK, at all these different networking events, I'm not at home spending time with my daughter you know, and she's becoming, she, you know, she was four a couple of weeks ago. She started bringing, you know, little bits of homework home. And I want to be there to do that with her. I don't want to be going, you know, going to networking events seven while nine and then not seeing her go to bed. It's just, you know, the precious years and I don't want to take them for granted. So the power of social media is amazing. And if you're not doing it, you need to do it now. That's it. You heard it here from Laura. <laughs> Just do it, just it. But no, but I mean, all credit to you. I mean, it's, it's it's fantastic what you've done. And like you say, you know, when you start down this road, you never quite know where it's going to lead. Lead, but from starting out of just sort of talking about Sheffield, four million quid later, happy days. You know, I mean, I know it wasn't as simple as that, Laura. I do appreciate that, but that that was in a relatively short space of time, really. Oh, um, gosh, all yeah. things considered. So, um, see, you are brave, bold, and brilliant. I told you, <laughs> I told you that you are in so many ways so many ways so um in terms of um the public speaking side of things Laura as well because yeah. I know I know you do a fair bit of that and yeah. you you mentioned earlier about how when you'd gone through those really dark days that your confidence was really knocked um yeah. and when you came out of corporate and into you know, starting your own business and all of those changes that you went through to what to now be talking about you know one being out on social media being so confident uh, but also out there public speaking mentoring people you know all aspects which people look at and go gosh she's so confident so <laughs> 
so the the contrast between where you were and, and where you are now what's that been down to how have you got yourself confident in speaking publicly to people okay do you know it's funny actually um the other day um carrie who has i've done all my mindset with it's her fourth business birthday um and she messaged and just said, you know, I can't believe it's just incredible how far you've come in such a short period of time. Like I never, when I first spoke to you, I never thought that you would be stood in front of people like talking. Um, and I didn't, but it, is, it genuinely is all down to mindset. You know, I, I have been on a speaking course. I'm not going to take that away from that. But that was a lot later after I'd started speaking. It is absolutely mindset and having the confidence in yourself and yes, it is shit scary. I mean, I'll never forget them first few times. My hands were trembling so much. <laughs> I literally had to hold on to my hands. Um, and James is like, you all right? And I'm like, oh God, I don't want to pass out. And they, they do say public speaking is like number one over dying, <laughs> that people would rather die than public speak. And, you know, it, I kind of got thrown in the deep end. There were, I used to be part of Sheffield PPN. I used to go every month. And there were a couple of times as a member, you could get up and speak. And because I'd, I'd started doing quite a bit on social media, I plugged the gap a few times and people didn't turn up. Or, um, and I just really, I just really enjoyed giving back. Um, you know, I'm not... I'm not into the big self. I'm, I've never done that. So I don't stand up there and sell, you know, I've got all these courses and people who do that, I take my hat off to them, but it's just not why I do it. My why for speaking is to help others. Um, you know, if even if they start putting a bit out on social media, because the majority of my talks are how to, you know, how to utilise social media for your property business um, and raise the funds. And if I can get somebody to get one investor, that will change their life. And I know that it will, because it, it might buy them one or two properties. Um, or even mainly, you know, just the confidence. If you, if you don't want to public speak, it, it just gives you confidence in talking to estate agents or networking better or, um, but 100%, it is mindset. I can't, I can't put it down to anything else than mindset and having self-love for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and having a strong, like you say, you, again, you said your reason why is to help other people, you know, and if, yeah. you're cl if you're clear on that, that's quite compelling. It pulls you towards it, doesn't it? Rather than the fear of something kind of, you know, pushing you away. It's almost face the fear and do it anyway. Um, and I, you know, I guess some nerves is good, right? Because I always think... <laughs> Some nerves is good, but yeah, I, I'm exactly like you. I think remember I did my first post, my first live on social media. I thought I was going to vomit before oh, that. So honestly, it's incredible. But uh, so I totally, and I've been doing a lot of public speaking for years. But um, yeah, no, I think it's inspiring that that you know that you're you've kind of moved from where you were with with li with little confidence, as you said yourself, to kind of where you are now. It's it's so it's so brilliant to see the comparison, Laura. Um, it really really is um so i've just got a couple of questions uh to finish off with if that's all right yeah go for it so laura what's been the best piece of advice that you've ever been given oh everyone else's opinion about you is none of your business <laughs> i love that yeah that is definitely it <laughs> Uh, that that is that is that is great actually and often people people don't think about that do they and <laughs> and can you think of a, um, a worst piece of advice that you've been given yes I can 
money doesn't make you happy because I think that's the biggest lie I've ever been told. Expand on that then. Um, you need money to create choices and freedom and people say you don't need money. Well, do you know what? I'd rather have money and the choice to take a day off work or a choice to lay in or a choice to go and spend, you know, go out for a meal with my family because I can imagine the opposite end of the scale, which we haven't gone into, but, you know, my mum lived from pound to pound. You know, sometimes we had beans on toast for tea because, you know, she bought me a pony and we were like, you know. <laughs> um, and a lot of the things I do now is because I I don't want to be in the situation that my mum was when I was growing up. As much as she did everything she possibly could, it was a tough life for my mum. And I don't want that life. Um, so, and she was the one that said money doesn't make you happy, but I think it makes things a lot bloody easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it gives you choices, doesn't it? That's 100%. Choices. And, it does give you choices. And it certainly gives you more freedom. So I, I am not for that saying. <laughs> I won't be saying it to my daughter. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure Isabel, Isabel will, be, will be. Well, you've got a young entrepreneur on your hands there already at age four, I would say so. So you're certainly, you're certainly providing a great role model for, uh, for Isabel, that's for sure. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, no, but listen, Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. There's so much value in here for everyone. And honestly, from the bottom of my heart, you know, I'm so inspired by what you're doing and where you've come from and, I know that anyone listening is going to get so much from this. So thank you for being so open. It's really great. Oh, thank you for asking me, Jeanette. It's been a pleasure. Oh, excellent. So you are brave, bold and brilliant, Laura. Thank you. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thanks ever so much. Bye.